Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are tying in. This is Julie Brain Lady Anderson here on the Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire Show. I am very excited to be with you here today. We actually have a, a do-over <laughs> for our guests, so I really appreciate her patience with us. We had a little bit of a, a power outage when we had her due to snowstorms when we had her on last, so if you are here to if you missed the, the show for Kelly Williams, Kelly DeFord Williams, then you are absolutely in the right place at the right time because that is our wonderful guest today. And we're talking about something that is really, it's, it's a hot topic, especially for this particular month. You know, Women in History Month, we're talk, a lot of focus is on, on women and their businesses. And this, she has a wonderful story of being an entrepreneur, and be a mom. And oftentimes, those are challenges for every entrepreneur who has little ones running around or teens or whatever you've got. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about what she does and how she balances all of that. So I'm really looking forward to that. But before we bring her on, let me introduce her by reading her, uh, her bio here. Kelly DeFord Williams founded State Law Group in 2020 in order to provide businesses with an integrated service offering with the shared goal of helping businesses get access to quality, affordable, and approachable legal services. After spending years as a litigation attorney for an established firm, Kelly started her own firm based her strong desire based on her strong desire to create a different type of culture and provide a higher level of transparency and personal service to her clients. Besides having small business growth and besides helping small businesses grow and flourish, Kelly has also dedicated herself to helping those who have been victims of workplace sexual abuse and discrimination based on gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, and religious affiliation. Today's state law group has over 20 employees servicing a wide range of businesses from startups to Fortune 500 companies. Kelly, welcome to the show today. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. And um, I can only imagine what that power outage was like. And more than happy to reschedule because I'm blessed to live in sunny San Diego. We don't deal with that as often as I'm sure you may. So. <laughs> it was quite interesting. So we live in Northern California up in the foothills. And we get beautiful summers. We have four distinct seasons, right? We get fall, winter, summer, and spring and Every now, we get snow here a few times a year, and every now and then it's heavy enough where it takes down a power line, which is what it did and knocked out all of my <laughs> ability to do a podcast. <laughs> so we're doing this. Well, I, I went to high school in Colorado, so I know what snowstorm looks like, but we have two seasons, summer and snow. <laughs> summer and snow. <laughs> I bet. So, Kelly, give us a little bit of background. I always like asking my guests. So you are an attorney or a lawyer, which is not, it's not a small feat to simply become a litigation lawyer. I mean, that's, that's something right there. 
But you went on to actually build your own business and create a law for, firm that has, a, a, you know, a stack of employees and services a lot of different groups. So tell us where, what drove you to want to go into the legal field? So, I mean, my story is in, in somewhat interesting one, obviously. Anyone probably at 34 who is managing a law firm um, didn't get there by, you know, having somewhat of a boring childhood. Um, I think, you know, I was born in Ireland um, in uh, the 1980s when, um, you know, women didn't have as many rights as um, other citizens and men in particular. Um, people don't know as much about that when I was born and when my, when my parents got married. Divorce was not legal. Um, you know, contraception on a lot of levels did not leave legal. A lot of other things, um, you know, women couldn't own property at certain times. There's something called a marriage bar um, that ended in the 1980s, but uh, women would have to give up their jobs so they worked for the government once they got married. And so I would say at the very core of things, um, coming from that world started to drive my purpose. Um, when we immigrated here when I was eight years old, um, you know, my father in particular kind of was the first feminist, so to speak. I don't even use the word feminist, um, what it meant, but was, was, you know, tell me, hey, like, you're going to get an American education. You're in, in a, a much different situation than your mom was and my sister was growing up. I can't wait to see what you do with it. And um, he started as a computer programmer writing the first code for IBM. And when he left IBM, he was a senior vice president. And so I think I kind of get my drive from that. Um, and I also think I get my passion for the law from, you know, the appreciation I have for being an American citizen. Um, and so I went to, I graduated undergrad early, went straight into law school, graduated there early, and then um, went on to be a deputy district attorney initially when I was 24. Um, and so 10 years later in litigation, it's a definitely a different path than a lot of other lawyers take, but um, I would say that it drove me to, well, the best way to put it is that I became a deputy district attorney to try to make change in the world in a positive manner. And when I felt like it wasn't that perfect legal system that, you know, I had idolized, um, eventually I knew when I opened my own firm and when I wanted to open my own firm, which I actually started in 2017 and then rebranded in 2020 and expanded, it was because I wanted to do things differently in the law. Um, and I think all of that kind of comes from, you know, that Irish Catholic, you know, country and mentality I had knowing that I was lucky as a woman to have the education and the ability to go get one. And then how can I pay that forward and how can I help other people? And that's really what drove me to eventually start my own firm. So long answer to that question, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully it answers it. <laughs> Yeah, it did. What a story. What a story. What a background. It it definitely helps to create passion in what you're doing because of your own family's experience. Now, being an entrepreneur, going from working at a law firm into creating your own law firm, if you could go back in time to give yourself advice, <laughs> what would you tell yourself? to help you get on, you know, to help you on your journey as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I think, like, being an entrepreneur is in, in, in anyone who does it. Um, and so when it, I, I remember seeing something like, you know, pre-entrepreneur self, but 
I don't think you're ever a pre-entrepreneur. You might not realize it. You might not come into it until later in life. Um, but before I open my law firm, because I think it's a great question, because I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, I have this great idea. Should I do it? Um, I would say everything happens in the time it's supposed to. Um, but don't be so scared is what I would tell myself. Because um, I remember for a while, you know, in 2017, and even into 2018, um, I actually had a six-month-old and a two-year-old when I started my law firm. And then I eventually had, was pregnant with my third child. And, and that was during that, like, 2017, 2018 period where I was constantly thinking, oh, is this going to work? You know, I mean, there were very difficult days. And I would say, don't look back at the shore if you're driving, you know, forward. You're, you're, you're going on a sailboat. You're going to a destination. And looking in the rearview mirror or looking back to the shore it's only going to slow you down. And I think that would be the biggest advice I would give um, people and also following your gut. I think, you know, women, we're very lucky. We have, a, we have a lot of intuition. We have a lot of gut feelings. And I think the biggest mistakes we make is not following those or just believing in ourselves. And I think um, those would be the two biggest pieces of advice I would give my, my pre or even my, you know, first year in business self is that, Stop looking backwards. You're going forward. You committed to this. Commit to it and just, you know, put your foot on the accelerator and make it happen. Because there is a lot of anxiety when it comes to cash flow and, you know, am I doing this correctly? Was this a terrible idea? Um, there's lots of good days, but it's also going to be really rough days. And so remembering that you did it for a reason, you have a gut instinct and just believing in yourself and don't look backwards, I think, is the biggest thing. That's so – that's – Awesome, awesome advice is to we have these big ideas as entrepreneurs, and it's that self doubt from looking back. It's when you look back sometimes that 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 kind of crushes your vision moving forward. Now you, yeah. when we read your bio, you you went into we understand kind of why you went into that field of being an attorney into the law field, but apparently you had a, a decent position at a previous law firm, what drove you to create, to leave that and be an entrepreneur and create your own law firm? Like, why did you make the shift? I think, you know, first and foremost, I always had a side hustle in the best way. You know, we all, you know, there was this part of me, even at the district attorney's office, and I was working 80-hour weeks, which, you know, I, I don't know how much people know about being a deputy DA. Um, it's one of the hardest jobs to get. It's the most competitive environment on the planet. It's like taking type A craziness and putting us all in the same room. And, you know, we all 500, 1,000 positions or thousands of people apply. Maybe, you know, 200 people get an interview. And then with my class, they hire seven people. And so um, we work 80 hours. We don't complain. We don't take vacation. Even then, I didn't, I had my hustles. I would be, you know, selling my phone to a lemon on eBay. Like, I created, like, a, like, like a semi-business out of that, going around to, like, studios and giving my card out, saying, you have, like, you know, I'll sell your lemon for you on, because I figured out how profitable it was. So I, I think I always had that, that instinct to want to be an entrepreneur. Um, so um, I think that plus, the legal system needed a makeover. I was lucky uh, big time to be young when I graduated. And just in 2017, I had enough experience because I did so many trials at the DA's office, because I was so used to court, because I got such good training and then went to, over to a civil firm and got the training there. It was kind of this perfect, you know, mix of 
trial experience plus the, the type of law that I wanted, the firm I wanted to open. And I think everyone was tired of going into a law firm and seeing the same, but it's the truth, white men, truly, it's the my law firm had about 40 attorneys and I was the only female. Um, and um, not all of them were white men, of course, uh, but they were all men for the most part. Um, I think there was one uh, female partner and no female associates. And I got pregnant with my first child and I was working there. And um, I, I just had this, like, realization that, like, this is a business also. And it's a business that could use some different tactics. Stop building people for paper clips and photocopying. Stop, you know, overcharging for things. Stop making the legal system seem like it's this big secret that no one else can know about. How can we make it more transparent? How can we make people like lawyers again? How can we be authentic to ourselves in the legal world? And I just thought of opening in the market at an age in which, you know, I was old enough to know the legal system and also young enough to know millennials. And I thought, let's do it. We did. I did a focus group study on it. I did my research. I figured out what the millennials want in a law firm, and, um, and I ran with it. And I think it was just the perfect timing, and I saw an opportunity, and I just jumped without fully, was looking a little. I researched, I got, you know, I got some of my stuff together, but I just jumped. And it, it, that's another great piece of advice, which is, like, if you have that feeling, it's really uncomfortable, but just do it. See what happens. I mean, I, I kept my 1099 contractor position open with a firm that I was working for, that I was W2 for for a while, like a couple months. But then, it, then things started to pick up, and I, I had to make a decision, and it was great. You know, it worked. That got in sync with correct. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I would, I would imagine that right now, with where your focus is, workplace sexual abuse, discrimination based on gender, sexual orientation, or religious affiliation, like these are these are problems that have been obviously been around for a considerable amount of time, and they're really getting the spotlight shined on them. And I'm, I, I would. I would assume that this is also keeping you quite busy right now. <laughs> yes. I, the one thing I don't have a problem with is the lack of work. That I will tell you. Um, I joke with that. that. This will tell you how millennial I am. I have 99 problems, and a lack of work is not one, to quote JV, um, in the best way. Uh, that being said, yeah, it, it, it's very prevalent, and I think part of the issue with the legal system was women didn't feel comfortable coming forward sometimes and you know one of my first big cases I took um a female was shown porn on the first or a few first few days of her job in a office lost office late night with her boss and the male attorney she had called and you know everyone views things differently but laughed at her and then at one point when she described what happened and then told her to call someone to quit and maybe he'll take her case you know I settled that case for a significant amount of money, I'll just put it that way, my first big settlement. But because I heard her, I understood how it felt, um, you know, to be put in that position. And that's another thing that's great about being a woman and being a woman who is a managing partner and gets to make the decisions of what types of plaintiff cases we take is I can, first of all, I can see in the best way, I have a lot of emotional intelligence like a lot of other women do. And I can see when people are authentically telling me the truth about what happened and others that need to go off. But 
um, you know, I can empathize and understand, and I'm not scared to go up against these people. Like, nobody in the best way, which is probably bad, no one scares me, and I'm more than happy to be the one who says, hey, listen, no, we'll find complaints, and we'll put this in public what you did to this young woman when she was just trying to do her job. And feeling heard and seen as a female or, you know, a person, um, any minority, um, and understand, feeling like someone's at least listening to your story and you get an opportunity to tell it, that drives me a lot. You know, we do, we do business laws, work, we work for businesses also, um, but my passion projects live in that land of telling people stories that maybe wouldn't be told if they didn't have a 34-year-old millennial attorney who said, no, that's not okay. Let's, let's write a novel in this complaint and let's tell your story and get it out there. Um, or would you want to, like, in the best way, like, we don't want to do that, let's at least make sure that they understand they, what they did is wrong. We can settle free litigation. But you're, you're going to be heard, and they're going to understand it's not okay what they did to you. So that kind of leads to one of the questions that we were going to discuss was how you actively seek to empower and support women in the legal field. <laughs> you know, you being able to make a – a um, courageous stand and give your clients the the support because it's not something easy to talk about is is definitely definitely admirable. Are there other ways that you work to support and empower women in the legal field itself? Absolutely. I mean, you know, a lot of our applicants, that attorneys and interns that come to us are females. Um, we, have, we hire plenty of men too, don't get me wrong, but we have a very diverse um, and, you know, two of my most recent hires uh, are both women uh, um, that come from um, families who immigrated here, either first generation or they themselves immigrated um, from Pakistan and Southeast Asia, and, um, you know, we have a very diverse team in that manner, but a lot of women will reach out to me on LinkedIn, et cetera, because we have a kid's room in our office, meaning I don't want you to stop working as a lawyer because you have children. I don't want you to think that that's a deal breaker to be a partner if you have children that are Zooming or children in general. My son um, who is, uh, will be three in September and will be finally going to school. And then they just say, oh, so I'm a single mom myself. Um, I'm like, we're almost at the home stretch. That's the last one being school. Um, but he comes in the office and plays and hangs out. All kids are welcome in our office. Um, um, we provide childcare as needed. Um, we make women feel like they're not competing, um, you know, for partner positions just based on the billable hour. We don't have a billable hour minimum, which is very unique to law firms, um, meaning like most law firms will require you to bill, like, you know, 2,200 2, hours in a year. I don't care how many hours you bill as long as you're keeping track of your time and you're doing your job. Um, I don't want my clients to look at us like, they are, you know, a, what is the right word, um, a money machine for my associates to build time. I don't want my associates to feel like they're being judged off of how much they're charging my clients or that if they, you know, had a different week than they had before. So that helps, too, because a lot of women, female attorneys, feel like they can't compete with male attorneys once they get to that, like, mom status, because that men are staying till they're at 9 o'clock at night. So... I always try to create an environment where it says if you're good at your job and you're doing your job, I don't care if you're doing, you know, if you have to leave at four and you're working when your kids go to sleep because that's sometimes what I do. Um, you know, 
I want you to feel like your presence in the legal system and that law degree you got and your passion for the law can continue as you become a mother. That's something I'm extremely passionate about. And um, I was always passionate about that, but particularly when I became a single mom, it became even more important to me. And then, um, not just, I mean, this is a, a subject I'm very passionate about, but um, uh, the other thing I would say is, like, I try to hire people who, not just lawyers, but, you know, on the admin side, I don't care if you only have a high school diploma. If you're going to, if you want to hustle and, um, you know, become an admin, learn how to be a legal secretary, you know, go to night paralegal school, I'm happy to help you do that if you're going to work hard, too. So for me, it's just about giving women opportunities of um, all, all cultures, all anything, whatever it is. For me, it's just about, like, if you're working hard and you want to make it work, I'm here to support that um, for you. That's awesome. What an what an awesome environment that you have created for those people who partner with you to really empower them and and let them know that you you always start somewhere and I'm going to help you if your goals are help you reach your goals as on your journey. So I I love that. Now, are there skills? So you are a mom. You just said you're a mom of a 3-year-old. Do you have more than one child or or is your oh, yeah. your three year old? <laughs> so um, almost three. And that like I think I say three or almost three because I'm hoping he's going to be three soon. He'll be three in September, but he's going to school in June or summer school at my daughter's school. So I have, believe it or believe it not, I have a six year old, a uh, four and a half year old um, who will be five in August, and then I have a. Uh, two-year-old who will be three in September, and I became a single mom when they were one, three, and five. So, if you would like to know how to balance things, I have no idea. No, I do have some idea, but (laughs) I love that. Okay, so you have your hands full. You've been doing, uh, running the business, keeping it afloat during this last year of chaos. Three small (laughs) children. Um, are there skills that you learn as a mom, just as a mom, that you can apply? Because obviously there's no, there's probably more work-life integration in your life than there is work-life balance. Like it sounds like you've had to integrate it quite a bit, right? So are there skills that you use as a mom that you flow and also use as a businesswoman? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think that- Hiring a mom who can balance three children is the smartest thing you could possibly do. Um, that being said, absolutely. I mean, I think they both create, they both complement each other. I mean, if I can manage my um, four and a half, or my, uh, yeah, my four and a half year old, who's crazier than me in the best way, um, I try to get her to sign a verbal contract to be on the litigation team in like 2040. Um, that's how crazy she is um, in the best way. Um, it's a compliment, Marilyn, to say that. Um, but, if I can manage her, I can handle whatever else is going on at the law firm. And if I can, you know, discipline and not discipline, but, um, you know, organize them on a Saturday morning when it's just me by myself, then I can organize a lot of things at the law firm. You learn to multitask in both ways. And I think it comes, it's, they just cross paths, meaning, I don't know the best way to put it, but like being a manager of three children is the same as being a manager of a law firm. In fact, depending on the day, but most of the time, being a managing partner of a law firm it looks a lot easier than being than managing my children on the weekend in the nicest way to them. 
and they're amazing humans. Um, they have lots of boundaries. They hear things at home like, uh, you know, that point is moot um, regarding that toy because we're about to go to the park, and it's like the guess that it's a Supreme Court term. Um, they definitely hear different languages than probably other moms. Um, my daughter did me the best gift on the planet. By, they were talking about community helpers at school for the week, and she raised her hand and said her mommy was a community helper, and I've never been more proud in my life. Um, and I know, don't ask me about my kids in the best way because I'll just go off about them, but I will say that being a mom is something that is underrated, uh, the difficulty of it, um, the change it makes in a woman's life, especially a woman who has a career. Um, and I think that managing three children six and under is one of the hardest things I've ever done, and that makes growing a business and, you know, managing clients and all that other stuff looks easy. So would I be able to give you an exact answer as to how it affects each other? No, but do I know in my gut that every day it does? Absolutely. Isn't that true? I, and you know what? It's the... It's being a mom. I have three three boys myself. Um, my husband and I raised them up here in Northern California. They are now 33, 31, and 27, 28. And you know, it never ends. It it never ends. No. And I think one of the things that is the most that puts motherhood in a class by itself is that there are the emotions that are attached to it. You can never walk away from yeah. being a mom. You can close the door on work and go on vacation from work, but even if you're not around your kids, you're still worrying about them, right? You're still, yeah. you're still mom. It, it's so funny. I didn't, I didn't even think I wanted children, to be completely honest with you. When I had my first child, I was like, I want three. Like, in the best way, I was just like, you know, I'm a planner in some ways. I'm like, this is how, this is how she goes. They're all basically two years apart. But I will tell you that I was not prepared for the emotions that came along with the first year of motherhood in the best way. I always try to tell that to anybody who's pregnant or anyone who is dealing with, like, the the sleepless nights, the breastfeeding, but do I co-sleep, do I this, do I that? Um, I, I will say the, the worst and hardest year of motherhood is actually the first year with the first child. It gets harder with three kids under the age of six in other ways. But as women, we have a drive to, if you're career-oriented, career you, you know, I wanted to be a lawyer my whole life, and then I became a lawyer. I was a deputy DA. I was a lawyer. That's all I was. And now I have something I love more than that or equally as much more, of course. But, you know, two things that I really want to be, because I, I feel passionately that um, if I wasn't working and doing my job, I would be a worse mom. And I think that's okay to feel that way because you have to be a mom however it works for you. But the dichotomous situation of wanting to be with them as much as you can and also wanting to do your job and this other passionate thing is so mind-blowing to balance and the first year that you figured out that your whole identity has changed is not talked about enough um it's been a minute since that for me it's been almost seven years since i felt that way but i would say that that's a huge thing especially for for moms that are kind of going through that and yeah you're absolutely right you can't ever turn that off and right it's amazing. Well, Kelly, we're wrapping up to the bottom of the hour here, and I just want to say thank you so very much for being on the Women Entrepreneur Show. You are definitely a dynamic female entrepreneur that women need to get to know. Um, I want them to stay connected to you, so if you want more information uh, about Kelly and her law firm, she is Slate 
Law Firm, so S-L-A-T-E, I'm sorry, Law Group, SlateLawGroup.com, and you can always reach her at uh, K-E-D-Williams at SlateLawGroup.com. And, of course, these are all, all these links are always posted on the show page for the Women Entrepreneurs Show for today. You can connect with them on Facebook and Instagram, Slate Law Group. And I am just so thankful that, and I'm honored that you took the time today to spend with us this morning. Kelly, thank you for being our guest. Thank you so much, honestly. And yeah, and also follow us on Instagram in the best way, Slate Law Group or Kelly uh, D. Williams ES2, because then you can see the authentic life I try to portray my insanity that is the three kids and the law firm. <laughs> And really, honestly, I cannot be more grateful for your time, honestly. I love it. I am going to, when we get off this show, I'm going to go connect with you on Instagram. <laughs> All right, Kelly. <laughs> I, know, I, I tell people how it goes. So I, I love it. Get to see it. Thank you so much. I, I love it. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being on, for listening today, or if you're listening later on as a podcast. Thank you. We honor your, we appreciate and honor the fact that you have spent this time with us. We always try at Women Entrepreneurs and at The Brain Lady Speaks to bring you valuable information, information that will help you to just achieve more in your life, your business, your relationships. And we do that oftentimes on The Women Entrepreneurs by introducing you to dynamic business women that you need to know. How many of you have an attorney in your back pocket for your business? I'm just saying, this is important, ladies. It is important to have an attorney that you have a relationship with to do all of the different things that might come up in business. And there's a lot of them out there. So I want you to stay connected with Kelly. She's a dynamic female entrepreneur that you need to know and you need to stay connected to. All right. So if you want to connect with Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire, if you want information about Becoming a member of our group, whether it's a member on our website, womenentrepreneursextraordinaire.com. Remember, that is all plural, so women, entrepreneurs with an S, extraordinaire.com. You can go to the website. You can become just a, an online member for $25 a year and cross-link over to your your particular business page. You can join our group on Facebook, womenentrepreneursextraordinaire.com, and share your genius there with us. If you would like to be featured on the Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire or uh, Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire podcast, reach out to us info at Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire or Kelly, who is our our liaison, Kelly Cooper. Reach out to her, Kelly at Women Entrepreneurs Extraordinaire and we'll get you connected. We'll get you connected one way or the other. We are also always looking for experts in the field to be able to be one of our expert members. So shoot us an email and let's talk. All right. Until next week, as I finish up all of my shows, I want everyone to simply enjoy every moment.